the humanities and social sciences. Welcome to another episode of Oh the Humanities and Social Sciences, the hashtag hashtag podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Tegan Zenos, who's going to be talking about reflection and feedback in the history classroom. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Tegan Zenos. Tegan, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, look, thank you for, for, for appearing on the show. Um, we're going to be having a chat about uh, feedback and student self-reflection in the history classroom. But before we do that, can you uh, give everyone listening a bit of a rundown of who you are. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, so, as you said, my name's Tegan Zenos. I'm the head teacher Hizzy at Francis Greenway High School, which is a relatively small high school. We've got about 700 students and we're just kind of Maitland, Newcastle area. Um, in terms of teaching, modern history is kind of where my passion is at the moment. So, uh, that's where a lot of my classroom practice is around the modern history classroom. Okay, um, so you, you mentioned you're more along uh, the modern history sort of sphere of things. Yeah. Um, ancient history at all? Uh, uh, is that something you've tinkered with before? Or are you are you sort of more more solidly a a, a modern person? Uh, funny you should say that. I actually started off training as an ancient history teacher, and then um, to be honest, I just never got a job teaching ancient history. I started off with a major in English, a minor in ancient history. Um, that just kind of never panned out and I got a little bit of work in modern history and realised that I actually love that subject. I find it really fun to teach and I know that a lot of people have uh, mixed feelings about the new syllabus that's come out um, for New South Wales, but I actually really love teaching the new syllabus as well, just having all of that up-to-date kind of real world. The kids can kind of see what you're teaching kind of unfolding in the news sometimes depending on the topic you've chosen. So it's really interesting and engaging in that aspect. Yeah, and with with the um the the you mentioned the retraining from uh, from ancient to modern, yeah. Uh, how, how did that happen? What what kind of codes did you need? What kind of um uh, uni course did you need to do for that? Was there anything that you, you already have, already have some units up your sleeve to canvas credit, or did you have to go back and redo you know a whole other postgraduate degree or something? Um, no, I was pretty lucky in the sense that um I this. Just school I was at, they required me to teach modern history for a few years. So I actually just got uh, the approval codes um, through experience. And I already had the junior history codes, which I got along with my ancient history qualifications. So yeah, a bit of learning on the job. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and are you only looking at history or are you part of a history faculty that requires you to teach geography as well, for example, or are you solely only history? Um, so being, I am part of uh, the history faculty, obviously, but with the head teacher load, I've tend to only end up with history classes just kind of the way that the um the chips fall I guess um yeah I've taught a little bit of junior geography we really struggle to get geography up at my school um it's been up I think like once in the last 10 years we've got it up in uh, a, as senior a senior school. subject you mean yeah yeah it's a really hard slog getting it up there I'm not not yeah. sure why but yeah I haven't I haven't had much luck there yeah look oh look it is, it is quite difficult um to, to get a, a senior geography class up and running, I think the kids sort of lose some uh, motivation, engagement towards the the subject for some reason through the junior years. Mm. Uh, whereas history just seems to keep going from strength to strength. I think. Oh, that's it. I mean, we've seen a, a growth in our history classes, to be honest, over the last few years. And we also, uh, being part of his faculty, business studies, legal studies, super super popular as well. So I think that just the competition between those popular subjects, I think geography just doesn't. Unfortunately, stand much of a ch- much of a chance at the moment. Yeah, and look, um, 
as we, as we said, you are you are history trained, and and the focus of, of this episode is going to be um, looking at student self reflection and uh, feedback in order to get the kids to improve in history. So, um, do you want to talk the listeners through what you're doing in the history sphere? Yeah, for sure. Um, so when I actually, at the start of 2019, I kind of went, I think that feedback needs to be a bit of a focus. I was involved in a few different uh, professional development days that uh, highlighted the importance of feedback and um, it's a really big Department of Education push at the moment as well. Um, so I decided, you know, let's let's put some effective feedback practices in place. Um, and in the process of doing that, I realized that I think the key problem I was having is my students weren't actually very good at reflecting on their learning in general. Um, so we kind of had to take it back even a step and get them to um, build some of those self, uh, self-reflection skills so then they could give themselves feedback on their work and then see the value of it further down the line. Um, and when we kind of, when I started going down that path, I guess, um, what I really realised is that students were just treating each task individually. So it d- didn't matter what you gave them in the classroom. It was kind of that standalone mentality. I do this, I finish it, and then I move on to the next thing. And whatever feedback you give me, that's great. I'm going to apply it for this task, but it doesn't really matter because I'm not going to do this again. I'm going to be learning about something new. Um, So I guess the real um, step one, I guess you could say, would be around trying to shift that focus in students from looking at a task as developing a skill as opposed to a a task um, just testing their content knowledge. And that was a little bit of a hurdle to get started off. Um, But... The main thing we did, and I know it's very on brand at the moment, but it's uh, it's around those learning intentions and success criteria, um, and not just for the lesson in general, but for an individual task that um, I'm giving my students in my classroom. So at the start of every uh, task that we do, so our focus was on extended writing um, with my classes this year, but we would, uh, as a class, have a look at what is our intention for this class, this task, what do I want you to do, um, and once we got a consensus on that. What's our success criteria? So specifically, what am I looking for? Um, With my classes, I got little whiteboards made up uh, where we can give examples of, you know, what's a top mark, what kind of things am I going to be looking for in that kind of A grade range, let's say, all the way down to that E grade range and getting the students as a real collaborative approach to develop that success criteria. Um, From there, it's a, I guess the next step is just the students having a crack. Um, some classes a little bit more resistant to that than others, but we got there. Um, and then actually getting the students to review their own work. And I think this was a step where I realized how important that student self-reflection actually was. Um, at the start of the year, I would say my students were not very good at this. They didn't want to take it seriously. They didn't, um, I think they felt really uncomfortable about marking their own work. Um, we did a lot of work around changing the language used. So uh, we used a bit of a cake metaphor. So I got these like, you know, bright colourful pictures made up and they could give themselves a cake. So if they're kind of sitting in a C range, they baked a cake, but it wasn't iced. And then you can go up from there, you know, with a bit of icing or, you know, the frills and tops and all the special stuff you pay a fortune for. Or you can go down where if your cake's in a cake tin, but it's not baked properly, or then it's just ingredients for that D and the E range response. And I guess just taking the letters off it really helped uh, my students, I guess, just get rid of that kind of mentality. Um, and they were much more open to then just saying, oh, okay, well, I think I've baked a cake but I haven't iced it or oh, I've got all the ingredients but I haven't actually put anything together yet. Um, after that, the second attempt. And as I said before, you know, the students at the start were really 
reluctant to um, give things another go and apply that feedback. Um, but by the end of, I would say, the end of term two, so it took probably a solid six months to kind of break that mentality. But by that point, they just knew, you know, we, we set the criteria, we do the task, we review it, and then we give it another crack. And the whole focus of that is not necessarily to get an A-grade response, but just to make sure that your cake's looking a little bit better the second time around. Um, I actually don't have a look at any of their work in detail until after they give it that second crack. Um, and after that, I'll sit down with them and I'll give them some more feedback. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's just really the gist of um, what we've been working on in my classroom throughout the year. Um, I saw a lot of uh, growth in virtually all of my students. I'd say there was probably one or two that uh, I didn't see as much growth as others, but certainly a lot of progress was made with my students throughout that time. Um, and being the head teacher, I figured if I've got something that's, you know, really working in my classroom, I'd love my staff to have a similar success. So then uh, I, I rolled out a faculty program around that student self-reflection and feedback. Um, and in terms of that, I guess the I encountered another obstacle, which is around that teacher mindset. Um, and in particular, um, providing feedback on the success criteria only. So I know a lot of teachers love to write all over you know, whatever they've got in front of them with red pen. And my question to myself was just, well, why are you doing that? And if you couldn't tell me definitively, you know, what what exactly you were trying to achieve there, you probably don't need to put it on the page. Um, so that's kind of where we're at at the moment, just uh, upskilling my staff. I'm really lucky that I've got a great team uh, who are really willing to give things a crack. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've just been working on that throughout the year and looking to progress that a little bit further for 2020. Yeah, and look, look thanks for that. And, and going on, on on the feedback there i mean it is it is quite important what you mentioned in terms of um you know there are some people who want to write over everything in red pen but you've really got to you've really got to sort of um withhold from that because if you're just going to tell them everything straight away what are they uh what are they going to learn about having to fix what they've got in front of them rather than just having everything just given to them straight away yeah and I think that was like, as I said earlier in the year, I did um, a couple of really great professional development. I think that was the main takeaway that I took away from that as well. Just the, okay, yeah, if I'm re rewriting a sentence for a student, I mean, that's a good sentence. I hope it is. I'm, you know, university educated. I hope my sentence is good for a year nine essay. Um, but does that mean my students are actually able to write that sentence or are they just going to mimic that? And then the second they've got a different content to write about, they're not going to be able to reproduce it. And I guess it's something... I, I never thought about it until someone said it to me. Yeah, look, there's, um, I mean, one thing I love doing is um, is using a single point rubric, and I found this a few years ago. I think it was on like one of those uh, teaching websites, like Teach Thought or Edutopia, maybe even. Uh, it was one of those sort of um, uh, American, you know, massive, yeah. massive uh, teaching sites, and um, that revolutionised the way I gave feedback. It went from me writing over everything to, you know, only looking at one or two different things to try and. Um, you know, as, as cliched as it is, you know, work smarter, not harder. And I think yeah. kids, uh, and because, like in my school particularly, we use learning intentions and that success criteria as well. Um, so it's really easy to sort of link in what you're looking at in that single point rubric to the success criteria and say, well, this is just, this is all I'm looking for. I'm not looking at anything else other than just these one, two or three things. That's it. Yeah. And I think that that just, it makes it so much easier for the students then as well. If you're like, you know, I'm, I'm only focusing on whatever it may be. So don't worry if, you know, your spelling's not 100%. That's not what I'm looking at right now. Let's just focus on this. Or if it is spelling, then okay, you need to, you know, give that a little bit more thought or whatever it is the focus is. I think it does really help students 
to achieve whatever it is you actually want them to achieve. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, with the um, with the, the writing, the GGs, a, a particular writing style there. Like, do you do um, you know teal or ideal or yeah, peel we, or we do peel or... <laughs> peel for the junior um, years. So that's a, a school wide um, peel is our paragraph format. So yeah, the whole focus was around peel in particular um, with this, which does lend itself to some nice, you know, highlighting and stuff like that when you give students feedback about, oh, you know, you're missing your linking sentence, go and highlight it for me. They can't highlight it. It's pretty obvious it's not there. So I do like that kind of feature of those structures. Um, We don't really have a school-wide stage six uh, writing structure, so I kind of just go with whatever my students are using in English, to be honest, um, which I think is teak at the moment. So um, Teak? Yes. Which like always, with a K or a Q or? Oh, uh, with a, I want to say a C. The kids have to tell me every time we do it because I always forget, um, which is okay, terrible so. of me. <laughs> but no, it's, okay. it's, it's like a, a grown-up version of Peel. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay. Mm. All right. Um, so on top of sort of the, um, you know, using the success criteria and learning intentions and um, uh, what else are you doing in terms of self-reflection in history with the kids? Yeah, so we've uh, been... I've been playing around, I should say, specifically. Um, my staff are not feeling confident enough to get this one up and running yet, I don't think. But my uh, year 11 and 12 kids, they've been doing a lot of uh, recording themselves after they do a task. So instead of just looking at their marking criteria and giving themselves a mark uh, and then getting them to get to go the next step and it's recording themselves and, okay, so what would you do differently and how would you do it next time and really talking that out. And I found that that part of the process, even though they absolutely hate doing it, um, has been really, really beneficial. And from that, um, they then come back in and they won't show each other. They're really funny. They don't like to film in front of each other and they don't like to show each other their recordings of themselves. They like to just send them to me. But then they'll happily talk about exactly what they just said. So they'll be, oh, yeah, well, in my video, I said this, this and this. And it kind of opens up some really good then uh, class discussion about, okay, so it looks like, you know, everyone in the classroom is stumbling on this one. How do we think we can overcome that? And it's kind of taking that self-reflection and then being able to collaboratively come up with a way that we can tackle that situation, um, which has been really interesting to unfold because I didn't actually expect that to happen when I started getting them to record themselves. That was just more for my interest, I guess, to try and see their thought process. So that was just a really nice little byproduct of that. Now, and what do you what do you get them to record on? Is it just um, using their phone and they just send it to you as like a raw file, or are they are you collecting these using you know like Flipgrid for example, or how, how are you doing this recording reflection? Um, yeah, so uh, most of my senior students are BYOD, so they've um, I've generally been recording themselves just on their laptop and then uploading it. We've got a OneNote that I use with them, so uploading it onto their OneNote. Um, some kids, if they're not BYD, yeah, they'll just use their phone and they will upload it through um, onto OneNote on their phone. You can kind of record straight in OneNote, so that's really handy for them. Um, okay, so, so OneNote, uh, this is a, a Microsoft school, yeah, I'm Microsoft, guessing? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. Okay, and, and there's obviously no no sort of mobile phone ban uh, at the school, which means that the kids can use their their phone as opposed to a tablet or a laptop if they haven't got a tablet or laptop or? Yeah, so our mobile phone policy is um, phones for at teacher discretion for educational purposes. So, um, yeah, we'll get our phones out. We don't have a blanket-wide ban on phones, let's say. Some subjects, they kids will not use their phones in and that's fine. In my classroom, I'm happy for um, certain situations for kids to get their phone out and 
this is one of those um, where they can film or record themselves or, um, yeah, I think there's a, there's quite a lot of things that phones can offer us in the classroom um, and I think it's just around teaching students to use them appropriately um, and staying yeah. on task with them, yeah. Okay. Well, look, um, before we before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to – well, for any final thoughts you want to mention to um, any of the people listening in terms of uh, how to harness the best sort of reflection and feedback in history? Um, yeah, I think that just um, it's keeping in mind that it's okay not to write all over the kids' work and it's okay to let them have that journey by themselves. Um, I think that sometimes as teachers we're not great at kind of letting go of that control. Um, but it does actually make your life easier if you're setting that success criteria out first and letting the kids really have a crack at it um, and reflecting on it themselves. I think in the long run, you're going to see that really pay off. So, yeah, really recommend it. Fantastic. Look, um, Tegan, thank you so much for giving up your time uh, for this podcast. I really appreciate it. Not a problem at all. Thank you for listening. To continue the conversation, find us on Twitter at hashtag HouseChat. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au